it's that time again. Hello. Hi, babe. Welcome to A Guy. A Bride. And A Bible Podcast. I'm Mark. I'm the guy. I'm Andrea. I'm a bride. We get together and read the Bible out loud with each other. And talk about it. We do talk about it. Sometimes we actually come up with something worth talking about. And sometimes I ramble. Most of the time, you keep me grounded. I try. You do I ramble good. too sometimes. No, you rant, and it's always funny. Thank you. It's proven. We have, you. we have the data to prove it. Thank you. People enjoy your ranting. I enjoy your ranting. Thanks, babe. You should do it more often. Have you had a good day? Uh, no. No. <laughs> um, this morning was... There were parts that were good. Um, this morning, teaching went well this morning, not so well this afternoon. I've really enjoyed my um, one-on-one appointments with students. So I had some good. some good moments of that today. But um, by Thursday night, I am pretty pretty spent. But it's all good. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready for no school tomorrow. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a short week, does but, it? No, no. It feels like I'm on day seven of a four-day weekend, you know? Yeah, but tomorrow's Friday. Is it? Two, is it really? I only have two more days of twelve-hour clinical days. Man, for until indefinitely. Yeah, last round. Yeah, that's fantastic. So there's a lot of reasons to be happy. I you tell know? you, yeah, I tell you what, I definitely need this moment with us to read. Yeah. To be balanced, there's something that is trends. Trans, what's we're looking for? There's a. Um, oh, I know. Transcendent? Thank you. See? There's a transcendency in my heart when I read the word, even if it seems like that's whatever. Like tonight we're reading Genesis 30. And the title in my faithlife.com Bible is simple Jacob's Children. Mine doesn't have anything. Oh, actually, it started in verse 31 of 29. Jacob, he gets children. He's going to beget some babies. And uh, that's like, okay, that's that's all well and good. But I actually am looking forward to it. Um, Looking forward to Ecclesiastes. I really appreciate the wisdom that comes out of that, you know, uh, the blues. So. um, I feel like we should probably just give a little context about us. Oh, let's do that. So, um, when... We met online. See there? I said it. You said it without any hesitation. It has taken three years. God is good. Um, four and a half years. Thank you. No, for you to actually say it. It's taken... Yeah, four and yeah. a half years. Because I didn't tell people at the beginning either. So they met through mutual friends. Oh, this is true. This is true. Sorry. We did have mutual friends. But we didn't meet through mutual friends. That's going to be the Patreon episode. But um, on your profile... Yes. We should try to get sponsored by eHarmony. eHarmony, thanks for the marriage. Go ahead and give us give us some um, advertising dollars. Hey, I just want to say, I did look at eHarmony to see if they had a podcast rocking. They got nothing. They got no game. We would, can be the game. I would call us a success story. We are the success story of eHarmony. So, on your profile... My profile was deliberate. You almost lost me because you said... Out of three things you couldn't live without? They were. Faith. Yes, of course. Family. Your daughters. And Christmas. And I thought, 
I don't know. I almost, I almost said maybe not because I, I wasn't. I'm not that into Christmas. You don't like the sound of jingle bells. I get it. Yeah, and we—that's another story. But, but I kept reading, and, um, it said, "What are you looking for in a partner?" That's right. Most people say things like a good heart, sense of humor, um, blah 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 blah. Like I yeah. can't even remember. Yeah, no, you know? they're all about the same kind of thing. Yeah, just um. In April, you know what we're talking about here, and yes, you can laugh. April, it's okay. On yours, butter. even we we rewrote yours. Remember, I can't live without butter. So I gotta say, yeah, butter. Um, so hey, single men, if you are looking for someone who loves <gasps> butter, oh my god! Tell you what, Marks, <laughs> what? Marks says, oh my my profile, and I don't remember word for word, but it basically said a combination. Of yes, there are four girls. Rebecca. Actually, I don't know if it was Rebecca. It was Rachel. You said Rebecca. I was thinking about this. Rachel, Abigail. You did say Rebecca. Are you sure? Because it was Rachel, Abigail. Rachel, Abigail, Ruth. Rebecca. Rebecca. I'm pretty sure I put Esther in there. No, you didn't. You sure? Yeah. Okay. I'll 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 do I'll default to you. Anyway. So I was like, okay, I get, I get Rebecca because she was generous and she went over the top. Like, I get why somebody yeah. would want that. I get, and I hadn't really studied Abigail before. So I studied all these after. Yes, you did. Because I was like, hold on. It, do I even want to be what this ideal is? Yeah. So I did my research. Abigail was brave. Brave. And a peacemaker. Peacemaker. And Beautiful. Yes. Loyal. And who's the other one besides Rachel? Um, it was Rachel, Rebecca, Abigail, and um, I'm pretty sure I put Esther in there. Rachel, Rebecca, Abigail. Pretty sure it's Rebecca. Uh, anyway. Maybe. Maybe. And then, so I the other ones made sense. Maybe it was just three. No, it's four. The other one, and then I see Rachel, and I'm like. So I'm studying, and I'm like, she's got, she doesn't do anything honorable. I read all this. The only reason that she's really notable is that she's really beautiful. Yep. And I was like, she's so beautiful. really, her character doesn't matter here. I mean, her character's pretty bad in a lot of ways in the end, right? Are you telling me she's a bad girl of the Bible? But you want somebody who's like her. So I was like, huh. And then you kind of justified it. We talked about it later. And I was like, the only thing I can think of is that she was so beautiful that she brought out, you know, that he was willing to work for her, that he pursued her. He did. Anyway. So this is kind of a longstanding debate of ours that Rachel shouldn't have been in that list. And in I, my just, opinion. I, I will, I will, I will support my putting of Rachel in there. Because, yes, totally beautiful. Um, she was working when Jacob meets her at the well, um, coming out with the sheep to water them. And. Yeah, so was Rebecca. Yeah. She was working, so you already used that one. And, um, but she was the important thing about Rachel was who was 
her son, Joseph. Yeah. And Benjamin. Okay. Anyway, so, we don't need to rehash this. No, we don't. Anyway, we don't, we don't. but that's our little, that's our banter for tonight, I guess. Okay, go ahead. But you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the little bow on this. While I was out there uh, utilizing eHarmony's um, personality test to screen all the suitor suitable women for my suitor suitor self, that that profile offended enough of them to keep them away. You are the only person, the only woman, to actually look up and read all four women in the Bible. Oh, I like. You were the only I one. I studied it and I took notes. You and, did. You showed me notes. And I liked. And look at us now. Absolutely. I liked that you. You didn't tell me to. Nope. You didn't say. I was surprised you did. Um, but I liked that you were, um, challenging me, to dig in, and to like I I liked. I hadn't felt like that before, where I was like, I really want to understand what he's talking about. Not just for you, but like, and it made me, you know, it made me draw closer to God mm-hmm. by learning more about, about that. So anyway, and then you said, and then there's this, and you put um, the oh verse from Proverbs 31 where it's like she laughs. Yeah. So like Proverbs 31, and I thought, he wants a Proverbs 31 woman. And I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit because she's not even a real person. She's like a list, you know, it's like a acrostic poem basically yeah. of um, many characteristics that are good. Sure. But I had that exact, I still do in my office, that exact phrase on a sign in my office. Yeah. Because, no fear of the future. Right, she or laughs. She is clothed in strength and dignity and she laughs without fear of the future. Yeah. And mine just has, she lost that fear on my sign in my office. Oh, how incomplete is that? I know. Dang. But to me, I've been through some pretty hard things. Yep. And it's easy to, like, I, and I still do struggle with being afraid sometimes and stuff. But, like, can I still be joyful even in the middle of hard times? That's really one of my goals. Mm. I'm not there. Paul would uh, rec- commend you for that. Uh, uh, but, you know. Anyway, that was a fun little memory lane. But it I really still have was. my notes from yes. that in my office and my journal. So that my notes awesome. from that time. Well, it was it was important for me to make sure that I don't have a man that swore by my thigh to go find you. You know, that like Abraham did. Okay, let's just start reading. But, no, I'm just saying that what I had was I asked the Lord what to do. And I felt him tell me to do this because this is what I wanted. And he would supply the person, and it would not... I, I really did. I felt it would be one person. I didn't feel I would get this long list of people to pick from. I figured it would just be one, and it was. Yeah. And it was right. Man, the harmony got to hook us up, because she was fine. Anyway. Oh Should we get going? Yeah, probably. All right, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for putting up with our infancy and lunacy and just um, the way we are. We thank you for providing your word. Help us this night as we read it to be transformed by it, to really hear uh, your voice in each of these verbs and 
conjugations and nouns and storylines and narratives. Lord, we want to learn more about you tonight through your word. Transform us, Father, to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. So tonight's uh, references are Genesis 31 through 43, Matthew 22, verses 23 through chapter 23, verse 36, and Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 6 through 12. We're going to get on that. We have, we have a whiner. I'm about to do this. She wants to get down. She's afraid to jump. Hey, Em. We need your help on this. You think she needs to... She does. Okay. So, I'm going to go ahead and start reading. Okay. <clears throat> when Rachel saw that she could not bear children to Jacob, mm-hmm. Rachel envied her sister, Leah. And she said to Jacob, Give me children! If not, I will die. I don't understand that part, why this is Jacob's fault for not giving her kids, but it is. And Jacob became angry with Rachel. I hope that didn't happen too much. Oh, I love it, because this is, we learned about this Hebrew word in Bible class earlier this year. It, the Hebrew word says, Jacob became hot of nose. Hot of nose, that's the Hebrew didn't word for angry. That? It's in the Bible Project. I loved it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hot of nose. means he was a hothead. Yeah. He became angry with Rachel, and he said, Am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Then she said, Here is my servant girl, Bilhah. Go into her that she may bear children as my surrogate, and then I will even have children by her. Who else did that? Yep. That would have been that old Sarah girl. Mm-hmm. Then she gave him Bilah, Bilha, her female slave, as a wife. And Jacob went into her, and Bilha conceived and gave birth to a son for Jacob. Then Rachel said, God has judged me and also heard my voice and has given me a son. Therefore she called his name Dan. And Bilha, Rachel's female slave, conceived again, bore a second son to Jacob. And Rachel said, I've struggled, a mighty struggle, with my sister and have prevailed. She called his name Nephtali. Then Leah saw that she had ceased bearing children. She took Zilpah, her female slave, and gave her to Jacob as a wife. And Zilpah, the female slave of Leah, bore a son to Jacob. And then then Leah said, good fortune. And she called his name Gad. And Zilpah, Leah's female slave, bore a second son to Jacob. Then Leah said, How happy am I, for women have called me happy. So she called his name Asher. And in the days of the wheat harvest, Reuben went and found mandrakes in the field, and he brought them to Leah, his mother. And Leah said, Rachel said to Leah, Please give me some of your son's mandrakes. And she said to her, Is your taking my husband such a small thing that you will also take the mandrakes of my son? Then he may sleep with you tonight in exchange for your son's mandrakes. When Jacob came in from the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him. and She said, come to me, for I've hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he slept with her that night. And God listened to Leah 
And she conceived and gave birth to a fifth son for Jacob. Then Leah said, God has given me my wage since I gave my slave girl to my husband. So she called his name Issachar. And Leah conceived again and gave birth to a sixth son for Jacob. And Leah said, God has endowed me with a good gift. This time my husband will acknowledge me, for I have bore him six sons. And she called his name Zebulun. And afterwards she gave birth to a daughter, and she called her name Dinah. And God remembered Rachel and listened to her. God opened her womb. And then she conceived and gave birth to a son. And she said, God has taken away my disgrace. And she called his name Joseph, saying, Yahweh has added to me another son. And it happened that as soon as Rachel had given birth to Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, Send me away that I may go to my place and my land. Give me my wives and my children for which I have served you and let me go. For you yourself know my service that I have rendered to you. But Laban said to him, Please, if I have found favor in your eyes, I have learned by divination that Yahweh has blessed me because of you. And he said, Name your wage to me and I'll give it. Then he said to him, You yourself know how I have served you and how your livestock has been with me. For you have little before me. You had little before me, and it has increased abundantly. And Yahweh has blessed you wherever I turned. So then when I shall provide for my own family also. And he said, what shall I give you? And Jacob said, don't give me anything. If you will do this one thing for me, I will again feed your flocks and keep them. Let me pass through all your flocks today. Remove all the speckled and spotted sheep from them along with every dark-colored sheep among them, and the spotted and speckled among the goats. That will be my wages, and my righteousness will answer for me later, when you come concerning my wages before you. Everyone that is not speckled or spotted among the goats, or dark-colored among the sheep, shall be stolen if it is with me. And Laban said, Look, very well, it will be according to your word. But that day he removed the streaked and spotted male goats and all the speckled and spotted female goats, all that had white on it, and every dark-colored ram, and he put them in the charge of his sons. And he put a journey of three days between him and Jacob, and Jacob pastured and the remainder of Laban's flock. Then Jacob took fresh branches of poplar, almond, and plane trees and peeled white strips on them, exposing the white which is on the branches. And he set the branches that he had peeled in front of the flocks, and in the troughs that were in the wa water containers where the flocks came to drink. And they were in heat when they came to drink, and the flocks mated by the branches, so the flocks bore streaked, speckled, and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs and turned the faces of the flocks toward the streaked, and all the dark-colored in Laban's flocks, and he put his own herds apart. He did not put them with the flocks of Laban. And whenever any of the stronger of the flocks were in heat, Jacob put the branches in full view of the flocks in the troughs that they might mate among the branches. But with the more feeble of the flock, he would not put them there. So the weaker were Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. And the man became exceedingly rich and had large flocks, female slaves, male slaves, camels and donkeys. Oh my gosh, aren't you glad? Glad of what? That we're done. It's quite bizarre to just kind of ramble through this. Yeah. So we have this whole first part of it. Who's going to knock who up? 
it seems like a, a reading from old school Melrose Place or something. Yeah. Um, I am not going to pretend to know a lot of this Near Eastern yeah. pre-Jesus uh, stuff. Right. Because it's hard, honestly. We look through this through our, our Western American eyes, and it really is like, oh, we can never do that. And it's just very offensive to us in our, in our Christendom. But there's something to this that God is not condemning these acts, but they're blaming him for things, and then they're saying he blessed him for other things. And it's just kind of, I don't know, almost, it reads almost random. So I wanted a little bit more. Um, just real quick. Uh, let's see here. When Jacob yells at Rachel, am I in the place of God? Jacob considers Rachel's pleas um, ir that they're irrational since he views conception as the province of God. His response to Rachel's barrenness differs sharply from his father's response to Rebecca's barrenness. So Sarah's barren, Rebecca's barren, and Rachel's barren, and all three of them said, take my maidservant. I gotta say. So is that well? I'm I'm wondering. Is, I gotta say. Is that more cultural than sinful? I don't know, but Jacob could have said no. <laughs> Again, twentieth, twenty first century so, mindset there, on. though. Come on, Rachel. I'll work fourteen years for you, but yeah, I'll sleep with anybody. Well, you gave her to me, so I don't want to disappoint you. You know, I'm just saying. There's some contradiction there. There, there is, but you know what? Let's look at it in a modern context. You can't conceive. We want a baby, so we either go the route of surrogacy or IVF. That's the 21st century model. Mm -hmm. So this is a form of surrogacy, not he's in love with this woman and he's... Babe, he's a dude. He is a dude. He's a dude. I doubt that he he's was He's a like, dude. But I doubt he was like, oh, I'll suffer through this. No, he wasn't thinking that at all, but you know what? That's he, what I'm saying. He might have been. We don't know what That's this... What I'm we saying, don't know though. what this woman was like, That's but... That's what I'm saying. I get it, but this wasn't just getting a woman. They became married to him. Yeah. She just wasn't... I an, just can't... I, I know, know it's a different culture, but I just can't imagine being like, well, go have fun having sex with my... With my... My sister. Yes. Like, that's just weird. It's weird. I don't think that it was God's design to do that. And that's the part I, I, I don't disagree with that statement. I, because polyg I polygamy is something that it constantly, in my opinion, I could be wrong. So if scholars, if you're listening to us for whatever reason, I'm not trying to say that I know not know this. But right. it does seem to me that polygamy is, in the face of God, not something that he put in place. He does use it as he uses everything for his purposes. Yeah. Because this is the birth of the nation of Israel. Jacob will now get his name changed here shortly to Israel. Yeah. And these are the 12 tribes. Yeah. I, I, this is one of those times where I have to say, I'm not, I'm seeing through the glass darkly Right. Yep. And, um, but I just know from the perspective of the wife that that would just be 
really, really devastating and difficult. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. That's all. All right. Anything else? Um, Well, the only other thing was, skipping out of this part, when he says, I'm going to work for the whole flock thing, um, is just, there's something about the way he did that was really interesting. Um, I'm going to go this way, that way, and the other way, making all these sheep. But you read it, you're like, I'm sure there's something significant about this. I just don't know what it is. Let's go to Matthew. We might find some more significance there. Matthew 22, verse 23. My bride, would you kindly read for us? Sure. On that day, some Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and questioned him, asking, Teacher, Moses said, if a man dies having no children, his brother as next of kin shall marry his wife and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers with us, and the first married and died, and having no children, left his wife to his brother. So also the second and the third, down to the seventh. Last of all, the woman died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they had all married her. But Jesus answered and said to them, You're mistaken, not understanding the scriptures, nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. But regarding the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God? I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. When the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love your God with all your hearts, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question. What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. And he said to them, Then how does David in the Spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies beneath your feet. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? No one was able to answer him a word, nor did anyone dare from that day on to ask him another question. More? Yes, go through to verse 36. Okay. Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, the scribes and the Pharisees have sealed themselves, seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, all that they tell you, do and observe, but do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and do not do them. They tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. But they do all their deeds to be noticed by men, for they broaden their phylacteries and lengthen the tassels of their garments. They love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues, the respectful greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by men. But do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, and you are all brothers. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father who is in heaven. Do not be called leaders, for one is your leader, that is Christ. But the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. 
But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people, for you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense you make long prayers, therefore you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel around on sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, whoever swears by the temple, that is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple is obligated. You fools and blind men, which is more important, the gold or the temple that sanctified the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, that is nothing, but whoever swears by the offering on it, he is obligated. You blind men, which is more important, the offering or the altar that sanctifies the offering? Therefore, whoever swears by the altar, swears both by the altar and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple, swears by both the temple and by him who dwells within it. And whoever swears by heaven, swears both by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and righteousness. But these are the things that you should have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish, so the outside of of it may become clean too. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but on the inside they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous, and say, if we had been living in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partners with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves, that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of the guilt from your fathers. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how will you escape the sentence of hell? Therefore, behold, I am sending you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, so that upon you may fall the guilt of all the righteous blood shed on earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. That was a lot. That was fiery. Jesus was making a point. So maybe we won't do like a deep dive. A couple but points maybe, we'll get to in yeah, a second. Yeah, but we won't be able to get to all of this. That's right. A little bit. So this is like broken down as I read it. And the overarching thing is this. This is Jesus coming up quick on his arrest and crucifixion. And it reads not... In the, it doesn't read desperate. It reads emergent. Like, this is real serious stuff. They're trying to trap him. He's trying to bring truth to their traps. Like, the Sadducees with the whole resurrection thing. 
trying to say, okay, there's no way you're going to be able to answer this. She's the wife of one guy, but she gets passed from brother to brother. So who's she going to be in the resurrection? They don't even believe in it. And Jesus says, um, you don't even get what it's like after the resurrection. It's not going to be like this. So that's our brief little glimpse of Jesus giving us a theology of life after this life. It's kind of an important thing. Other guys, can they've built theologies around this. We're not going to go there tonight. But I want to just jam down into verse chapter 23, the woes. This is when Jesus does the woe, woe, woes, seven woes. That he throws down on the Pharisees and on the scribes, calling them hypocrites, calling them fake over and over again. He nails them seven times specifically to what they are doing to the people they are supposed to be shepherding. And he blasts them for it. Mm-hmm. And without going to each and every one of them, I just really encourage you all, pour into this a little bit. Spend some time looking at this because you can lay these seven woes right on top of the church today in what is basically American Christianity. In mega churches that are bringing in apostasy, they are worshiping at the altar of emotion. As my man Virgil Walker said on Just Thinking, you see time and again that they are building their own kingdoms to their own things, writing books that have nothing to do with the gospel. Mm-hmm. Jesus would have this message for the church of America today, in my opinion. That's all yeah. I wanted to say about that. I just had kind of a cool note on phylacteries. Oh, yeah. Um, so I know what they are, but Ryrie goes into some more detail. So square leather boxes containing four strips of parchment, on which were written Deuteronomy 11. Deuteronomy 11, yeah. 13 to 21, so that's the Shema, right? Yep. Hero Israel, and, the Lord, the God is one. Well, 13 to 21, so longer. Yep. And then 6, 4 through 9, and Exodus 13, 11 through 16, and 13, 1 through 10. Yeah. During prayer, one was worn on the forehead between the eyebrows, another on the left arm close to the elbow. They were held in place by leather bands, which the Pharisees made broad to attract more attention to themselves. Yes. This custom is based on Exodus 13, 9, 16, and Deuteronomy 6, 8, and 11, 18. Though phylacteries had only begun to be used by the ultra-pious in Christ's day, so it was a totally man-made thing. Yes. And Christ criticizes not the custom itself, but the wrong spirit that corrupted it. Because it said, you know, bind them. And I think it was more metaphorical. Like, have it, have the, God's word just on the forefront. Yeah. Well, just like Nyla was quoting to us tonight. I have hidden your word yeah. in my heart. Yeah. But also, even if they wanted to do that, making it this thing where it was like really for show. And then lengthen the tassels of your garments. A hem or fringe on a garment mm-hmm. was placed there in accordance with Numbers 1538. But the Pharisees made theirs unnecessarily wide. The zit zit. Yeah. Because they wanted to show it off. Right. And and then for 6 through 12, do not seek prominence or position or titles. Sorry, prominence of position or titles. Mm-hmm. Be a humble servant. That's right. And then... Devour- so wait, does that mean I shouldn't go around calling myself Apostle Mark Alexander. Oh, snap. I did that. I just lost a follower or two. That's a title I'm putting on myself. Okay. And then 23, 14, devour widows' houses, 
they use their position as jurists to mm. adjust claims against wealthy widows or to get them to bestow on them their estates. Crooked. So, like, trying to trick or cheat little old ladies or mm. young hot widows mm. out of I their... Like their home. Their, yeah, their... Their sustenance, their home, you know? Even their inheritance. Yeah, which is really, that's just stealing. Stealing from Mm -hmm. a dead man, really, is what it comes down to. Yep, yep. Um, So, and and there are some verses about true religion. Um, I can think of one. widows. And orphans, yeah, caring for them. Not taking their money from them. That's a thing. Caring for them. That's a thing. Okay. No, you nailed it. You know, and this we're seeing people holding the office of Pharisee, but acting every bit as crooked as somebody who's ever walked into a church. But I do think that it's very important, like you just talked about, to look at <clears throat> how we are guilty of some of the same things. Because it's so easy to be like, oh. Those Pharisees were so terrible. Oh, yeah. And, um, like, I even think about, you know, working as a professor. There's, working at a Christian school, there's there's a lot of pretentiousness um, just in academia, even at a Christian school. No. And, you know, you could say, well, it's it's part of the job, you know. But there's a lot of, like, oh, I did this and this and this, and you do your CV and you... Are supposed to brag about stuff. Yeah. And there's a lot of tension there for me because I'm like, you know, this doesn't really feel like what we're commanded to do. Yeah. So we want to be excellent at our job, but do we need to be puffing ourselves up or do we, like, what would it really look like to be um, humble and to just allow others to get the glory? A great question. So I'm I- just really, I've been kind of wrestling with that. Okay. All right, let's move forward. Yeah. We're going to wrap it up tonight, guys. Keith, pay attention. Some very encouraging stuff in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 6 through 12. Compress us, babe. Oh, this is going to be great. I can feel the joy. You ready? Yeah. Like the sound of thorns under a pot, so also the laughter of fools. I, 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 don't, I don't know what that means. Thorns under a pot. What do you got over there in Ryrie? What does he say? Dry thorns set afire yield oh. a snapping bright blaze, but like the empty laughter of a fool, the fire quickly dies out. I see. That makes so much Thorn sense. Thorn bushes are just poof. I get it. This is also vanity. Verse 7. Surely opposition makes a fool of the wise. And a bribe corrupts the heart. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. Better to be slow to anger than hot-headed, or please say hot-nosed. Please say hot-nosed. The one who is long of spirit is better than one who is high of spirit. Do not be quick in your spirit to anger. For anger lodges in the bosom of fools. Do not say, why are the former days... Better than these, the glory days. For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Wisdom is good with an inheritance. It benefits the living. 
For wisdom offers protection, like money offers protection, but knowledge has an advantage. Wisdom restores life to its possessor. I like that. Wisdom restores life to its possessor. Do you have any wisdom from Ryrie? Just 11. Wisdom with wealth is better than wisdom alone. Mm. And I think sometimes we think that wealth is always like bad, but wisdom along with an inheritance is good and an advantage to those who see the sun. That's what mine says. What does yours say? See the sun? On, on 11? Yeah. Mine says both wisdom and wealth provide value but with limitation. Wisdom is more valuable than folly, but neither prevent the ultimate fate of death. Wealth is valuable insofar as it can be enjoyed. I meant, like, what does your actual translation say? But, like... Oh, I'm sorry. Verse 11. Wisdom is good. I don't have that, actually, at all. It benefits the living. And let me go over here. Yeah, Ryrie says living men. It actually... The literal Hebrew says to those who see the sun. So living... Yeah, referring to those who are alive. Yeah. So, because the dead don't see the sun. (laughs) Unless it's S-O-N... Then they oh, see him. Oh gosh, babe. Look at that. What did he just do there? I'm a little ice of Jesus. But I like Jesus. <laughs> I better wrap this gosh. up. It's going to get bad. It's going to, I start going. Just flowing. It's really bad. Sorry. I'm sorry. We'll end the podcast now so you guys don't leave and say I'm never coming back. We want you to come back. Hey, um, so glad you could be with us tonight. It's been great reading the word with you all. And we pray that you have a great night. Let's wrap it up. I'm Mark. I'm the guy. I'm Andrew McBride. We just got to read the Bible. Thanks for being with us. Peace out. This is the the Bar Podcast Network, and we are a guy, a bride, and a Bible.